This is an emergency broadcast. There is a viral infection spreading fast through the capital. Shut up, you shoppy tart. Those things out there are fucking zombies. Hello and welcome to a very special, very spooky edition of the Popcorn Muncher podcast. I'm Tom, the editor of the Popcorn Muncher. You'll notice that I'm not joined by Luke and Patrick today because this is another of our interview specials. Uh, Just in time for Halloween, I sat down to have a chat with James Moran, the writer of films such as uh, Tower Block, Cockneys vs. Zombies and uh, Severance, as well as a writer for Torchwood and Doctor Who. His current project is a web series adaptation of the Dracula story called Mina Murray's Journal which is a really interesting uh, new way of telling the Dracula story just in time for Halloween. So it was great to have a chat with with James. I got to geek out about Doctor Who, geek out about horror films. We had a long chat about the genre, the state it's in, and where it's going in the future, as well as James's work and what he's got planned for the future. So uh, without further ado, here's my chat with James. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so James, it's great to have you on. Uh, I'd just like to ask to begin with, should we start with uh, Mina Murray's journal? Tell me a little bit about that, how it came about, and why you decided to do it with the format you've done. Um, it was an idea I had a few years ago, and I didn't, I didn't really do anything with it at the time, because sometimes you get an idea and you don't know if it's any good or not, um, and that's, that's always the way, and, but you can deal with that. But it's the ideas you get where you go, this is either a great idea or it's the worst idea I've ever had. And they're, they're the really tricky ones because they're the ones you can like, I'm not kind of too scared to tell anyone about them because that just, it could be awful and, and make me look silly. So I kind of, kind of sat on it for a while and kind of didn't really do anything with it for a bit. And then I sort of thought about it again and, and wrote down a paragraph. And, and still then I kind of thought, no one's no one's going to watch this. This is a, this is a crazy idea, and it was just a, it was just that simple idea of update Dracula in modern day vlog format and switch it around so Mina is the hero instead of Jonathan, and that that was kind of it. I didn't know where the stories would go. I just knew that because because the book itself is written in diary format, it's all letters and diaries and newspaper articles. It just felt like it would naturally. Travel, carry across to vlog format really easily. Um, little did I know how, how tricky it would be, but at the time it just felt like a natural fit. <laughs> Tell me about the process of um, of making it. How did you go about getting hold of the relevant actors and uh, sort of settling on the, the way it would be delivered in the various vlogs from the perspectives? Well, I wrote up I wrote up a pitch document first, just a couple of pages, just for myself to see if it worked. And then I worked out i kind of went went through the book again and and worked out sort of which which chunks of it work as different the different seasons um and then i just sat down and wrote the entire first season episode by episode all in the one script um and so i i I'd plotted out what would happen in each episode just like one kind of particular thing in each one and and just wrote the whole thing and then but even even then i, I still didn't show anyone for about a year um, and then I went to went to this convention called GeekyCon, and they're so into like everything online. And there, it was a really sort of young female crowd um, attending the convention. Like, you know, there's there's a lot, a lot more um, of a of a of a gender split than there were at at most other conventions. Um, I mean, it's 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 great now that there's there's a proper split. Um, it didn't always used to be. They weren't always the most welcoming place, but it's such a welcoming convention 
the the first year I went, it was sort of like ninety ninety five percent female to male, which really I didn't actually realise until the second day, and and I saw a guy, and I was like, oh oh yeah, <laughs> there's a guy. <laughs> Um, but they're so they're all so creative and clever, and they've all got their own web shows and their own like they make comics and art, and they bring things to be signed. And and it, and I'd be like, oh, where did, where did you get that? And I oh, I made that. These amazing things they just made, and and they were so excited and enthusiastic. And you know, and part of it makes you feel really really old because they're all, you know, a lot <laughs> of them are like thirteen, fourteen, and you think, oh my god, they're so clever and creative already. Um, and I don't know where the next idea is coming from. But it just made me kind of think, well, if anyone's going to like it, these people will like it. They'll 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 get what I'm what I'm trying to do with it. Just started approaching people and and sort of very you know very very slowly one by one started approaching people and hoping that they wouldn't kind of tear the idea down. And uh, <laughs> that was that was kind of it really. Um, and obviously, you've done a, a web series before with uh, Girl Number Nine a few years back. Obviously, yes. the the entire internet culture has changed quite a lot since then. How did you go about approaching it differently this time around? Oh, it's completely different. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't really a UK web scene at the time. There was there was nothing. Um, we were quite inspired at the time by there were so many American web series in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, um, and they had sponsors and they and they had you know some of them had big actors in and they were doing really well. And we thought, well, it's surely the web has exploded now, so it's it's time to to get a web series going and, and there was just nothing like that in the UK so we, we, we just put it together we didn't know what we were doing we just put it together and, and did what we wanted to do because it was a story we kind of felt strongly about and that we, we wanted to do wanted to tell and so we just did it didn't know what we were doing didn't know how to plan it or, or you know what length it should be or what type of thing it should be and just made it and then we put it online you know day by day and, and it went down really really well and we had we had lots of meetings afterwards talking we had a whole second season planned we had other web series thinking well now we've made it a success we've shown that it can it can it can earn its money back surely you know we'll be able to get another thing going and somebody will fund it or sponsor it and nobody was interested at all there was there was just nothing happening in the uk on on the web in the uk back then and and they just they just didn't get it they couldn't see it so we just sort of abandoned it and i didn't come back to it until the last couple of years um and then obviously in that time since then the uk web scenes got massive and you know back back when we did girl number nine youtubers didn't exist it wasn't it wasn't a thing it wasn't a job and and now it's a whole career and industry and it's a like it's just you can't you can't predict how things are going to change in the future and what social media is going to is going to kick off. You know, Twitter was a was a very very small thing back then in two thousand eight. Um, it's by no by no means the way it is now. Um, you just you just can't really predict it. So, given how differently every, different everything is, I just kind of thought, right, I needs to be a different kind of thing. Um, when we did Girl Number Nine, we 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 sold it to a distribution company, and they kind of said, "Oh yeah, we love it, we love it." But you know, you, you've done everything wrong because it, it's too dark, um, it's too short, um, it's too this, it's too that. You've got you know you've got sort of strong regional accents in there, and it, it's, and and you haven't got this type of person or that type of person, and and just basically just said that we did everything wrong. Um, 
and we just sort of laughed because they still they still bought it. <laughs> um, so this time it was more like it was more of a right. I need I need more of it to put out there because you know we worked so hard on Golden Eye, and then within six episodes it was done. It was over. So I wanted to make sure I had more stuff this time so that it could just run a bit longer and, and build an audience that way. Because we didn't really have time to build an audience by the sixth day. It was all, it was all over. So just, to, just that kind of thing and just seeing what, what people are going for at the moment. And it didn't change how I wanted to tell the story, but it just luckily the way I wanted to tell the story kind of fit with the way things are in, in, on the web in the UK at the moment. It seems like uh, horror as a genre is a little bit obsessed with the internet at the moment. We've had films in the last few years like uh, Unfriended and Friend Request. Do you think that, that the internet is the sort of the next big thing for horror and the next big wave of, of horror movies? I don't know because there's only so many ways you can display um, someone getting a text or getting a, a, a WhatsApp message on a, on a cinema screen um, before it kind of gets a bit samey. Um, we've had, we've had quite a few in the past couple of years that that's kind of kicked off. You know, there's, there's been quite a few, um, internet cyber horror films. Um, and a lot of them have the same message, which is, well, be careful what you do online because it's dangerous out there. Um, and I think there, there's a lot of them are really good and really fun, but I think we're sort of past that whole, you know, be careful online kind of period because, most people online now know how it works and they know what to do and what not to do. So I think, I think just purely technology and, and society's attitudes towards the internet are going to overtake that type of horror film. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to last very long because, you know, it'd be like back in the twenties or thirties making uh, horror films about the telephone. You know, it just wouldn't really, you couldn't really drag it out that long. I don't think anyone's really afraid of the internet nowadays. I mean, the, the only thing to be afraid of on the internet now are crazy people who will uh, who will troll you and uh, find your address and post it online and send you thousands and thousands of death threats. But that's not really a horror movie thing. That's just people being sucky. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, almost all of your work has sort of flirted with the horror genre in some way, even when it's not strictly horror. What hmm. is it about horror that intrigues you and keeps you coming back to the genre? I don't know. Um, it's just, I mean, even even when I'm, t- when I'm telling sort of a light, fun story, I can't help some of the dark stuff creeping in. But then similarly, when I'm, when I'm telling a really, really completely serious dark story, I can't help jokes coming into it. I think I just, I just like things being a mix of all genres because, you know, it's not like the old saying goes, you know, real life isn't any one particular genre, it's just a mix of everything. Um, you know, you can be at a funeral and somebody could say something, say the wrong thing and everybody would burst out laughing. It's just, you know, it's, it, life doesn't fit into any particular neat kind of box. Um, but I don't, know, I don't know what it is about horror. I just, I just really enjoy having a good scare and, and being taken on a kind of a roller coaster ride. And it's, it's kind of like a safe way of exploring your fears. Um, you know, even, even when things are really, really dark, you know that at the end the film will be over and, and you'll be fine and everything will be all right and none of it's real and you know the actors are all fine and all still alive so it's just sort of a fun it's like going yeah it's like going to uh, a theme park i went to um orlando this year and went on the, the tower of terror um which is one of the most terrifying things i've ever done in my life and it it is really scary because you you think you do think it's gone wrong and that it's just going to tip you out and and kill you and it's 
horrible and terrifying. It's the worst thing in the world. And then it finishes and you're just in tears laughing and you want to do it again. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's interesting you mentioned the mixture of tones and the mixture of, of jokes because one of my favourite pieces of work you've done is uh, Cockneys vs. Zombies. Um, what was it that provoked you to go for uh, horror comedy, uh, given how historically difficult that is to get right? I mean, I've, I've never really thought it was a difficult thing to get right. Um, I think just because I really love that that mix of genres and it's the kind of thing I love to watch and it's the kind of thing I love to write. So I've never, I've never kind of, you know, a lot of people asked when Severance came out, they go, how did you, how did you balance the comedy and horror? And I just kind of, I just kind of go, well, I, I just did. Um, I made it scary when it needed to be scary. And then I put some jokes in when it needs to be funny. Um, you know, I didn't really kind of think right now, but how am I going to, how am I going to balance these two completely different things? Cause they're not, they're not that different. I mean, you watch, you watch a horror movie with an audience and you watch a comedy movie with an audience and you'll get the same kind of reactions. You know, people will, will, will respond very loudly to it. Um, they're the only two genres that, that get that kind of audio response from people. So I've never really thought of it as a balance that has to be struck. I just thought they, they just kind of naturally go together. You know, you have even a serious horror film, if you're watching it in the cinema with a big crowd, if there's a massive, terrifying jump, everyone jumps, freaks out, and then they all laugh because they're sort of laughing at themselves for jumping and laughing that they've been they've been tricked into jumping, and and to break the tension. So I think I think you need you need a bit of humour to break the tension. I mean, even my even my more serious stuff like Tower Block, it's not a comedy at all, but there's plenty of laughs in there. They're not jokes. They're just the characters trying to relieve the tension for themselves and making comments on what's going on, things that we find funny, but they but they don't. So I think I think you kind of have to. Um, it just it just feels it feels more natural and it's frustrating because when you make a horror comedy anytime anytime you do it the 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 marketing people come back to you and and they're like oh it's a it's a horror comedy that's really difficult to sell because it's two things it's two different things and you just think well just put put them both in the trailer then <laughs> it's it's not it's it's not rocket science. I really don't understand it, and 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 they they insist that people don't like horror comedy, and it's really hard to sell. And you just think, well, th- there have been tons and tons and tons of massively successful horror comedies. People love them. People love a horror, and they love a laugh. So it it shouldn't really be that difficult. So yeah, but the short answer is, I just it just I'm just naturally drawn to it. It just feels it just feels right to me. Have a scare, have a laugh. Um, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people who are, are horror fans recently, and they seem to be a little bit disillusioned with the, the genre today and how it's stuck in mm. the same sort of formula of sort of home invasion movies, haunted house movies, found footage. Do you think that something needs to happen, that the genre needs to be shaken up a bit? Do we think we need something like a Blair Witch Project to, to get some creativity into the genre? I don't, th- I don't think so. I mean, there's always, every, every time a horror film comes out and doesn't do very well, there's always a load of articles online going, oh, that's, is that the end of horror now? The horror's, horror's over and people are sick of horror. Um, it just goes in phases. Like, like every other genre, it just goes in phases. Um, you know, there's a load of horror comes out, does really well, and then for a while, some bad ones come out or people just kind of go, ah, do you know what? I've just had, had enough of horror for a bit. I just want to watch some, something else for a bit. Um, it's, just, it's just a natural kind of rising and falling. Um, no genre will ever really go away. Um, you know, even even if they make a lot of terrible horror movies, it just takes one good one to get everyone everyone excited about horror again. They'll go, oh yeah, yeah, horror's great. It's really scary. It's really fun. Let's let's, let's make more horror. Um, 
as long as as long as they're still making money, people will still make it. I don't think we need to. I don't think it needs to be a shake-up or anything. I think it's just it goes in cycles. There's always a trend for for you know six months to a year just by coincidence because you know things people will be thinking about things that are in the social consciousness and they'll they'll put movies out that are kind of almost the same kind of thing without realizing you know two different sets of people working on similar things at the same time um it's it it's just one of those things that it is a cycle and you know one year you'll get 10 zombie movies in a row one year you'll get 10 home invasion movies in a row um and then you'll forget about it because there'll be some other type of movie and then you'll be kind of you won't see a home invasion movie for a year and you'll think oh i'd love to see a good home invasion movie now and then one will come along and you'll get you'll get excited about that it's just it's just a cycle really i don't i don't think it ever gets stuck in one particular thing for that long because people are always looking for the next the next fun kind of concept the next the next big scare i think it just i think it just needs to keep getting people involved that love horror and have a passion for it and aren't just trying to make money if it you know if there needs to be a shake up i think we need to stop people making horror movies that don't love horror and just and just do it for the money because they're going into it with with the wrong motivations and they don't get the genre they don't understand it and they think they're trying they think they're doing something clever and they end up doing something that that we've all seen before but because it's got someone off the telly in it and they spend a bit of money they'll make the money back they'll make a little profit and that's the only reason they're making it i think just keep people who are passionate about horror making making horror Okay, um, what are some of your favourite kind of recent horror films or horror TV that, that's come out has really impressed you? Recent? Um, what did I see recently? I saw um, saw Hush, which is on Netflix, um, and that, coincidentally, that's kind of a home invasion uh, horror movie. Um, but the lead character is a deaf woman, and so she can't hear the killer. Um, and it's it's such a you know it's it's not a long film. It's very very simple. But it's done so so well, and it re- it absolutely scared the pants off me. It's so so scary, and and it's really really good, and it's really clever. There's a really nice kind of clever central concept that I won't give away because it kind of ruins the ending. Um, <laughs> but it's it's really really well done. Uh, what else did I see? We saw I watched one the other night. It's not a new one. Uh, I think it's about two years old. Uh, it's called From the Dark, and it's from it's an Irish film. The director of Dead Meat. Um, okay. And it's it's basically this 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 couple end up at a weird farmhouse, and there's weirdness ensues, and there's a weird creature, or is it a creature? And that's really good. Again, really simple, really short, very very scary. Some great jumps. It looks great. The the cast are really good. Um, so I can never remember what I've seen recently when, uh, when people ask, <laughs> but but those those are the two that sort of spring to mind. Um, oh, so I've also discovered um, I've got a free trial of the Shudder streaming movie site, which is basically like horror Netflix. So it's got a load of, load of recent horror and a load of like classic old horror and some dodgy old horror as well. <laughs> um, so it's got you know it's got recent stuff like From the Dark, which is great, and it's got some like corny old stuff like Microwave Massacre. And, and that's that's a that's a really really nice mix of stuff. So I'm hoping it's not too expensive because when this free trial expires, I'm gonna have to gonna have to get it. <laughs> it'll be a, it'll be a tough thing to decide whether you can can keep it on or, or get rid of it. 
Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like, like Netflix is never going to get Microwave Massacre, you know, or Street Trash. <laughs> it's just, it's never going to get those films because they're not, they're not big enough for Netflix. I mean, Netflix has some terrible old crap on there, but you know, it's never, it's never going to put something like that on there, which is a shame. But I guess that's where Shudder steps in. They've, they've sort of found, found a gap in the market. I think, I think one of the interesting things for me is if I look at sort of my favorite horror films from the last few years, I look at stuff like Green Room and The Babadook. Mm. The thing yes. that, the thing that comes together for me is that they all have a very simple premise at their heart. Do you think that simplicity is kind of one of the keys to horror? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of the best horror films are quite short, you know, the sort of 85 to 90 minutes, because most horror concepts, you can't drag them out for too long. You know, they, they won't sustain a two-hour film. You know, especially things like a slasher movie, you know, they have to be 85 to 90 minutes because you've got someone who's, who's picking people off but as soon as they realise there's someone picking them off, they're going to run away. They're going to leave, um, and then your film's over. So you've got to. So he's got the slasher's got to sort of pick them off secretly, one by one, so they don't know they're being picked off one by one. And as soon as they realise what's going on, they will try and get away. The slasher will try and stop them, and then it's a big fight to the death. So they're very, very difficult to, to write, as I discovered. <laughs> so, so they kind of have to be short because there's just not. You know, you, you can't ask someone to kind of keep going along with the with the conceit that oh oh they still can't get away oh okay oh they're still being killed oh okay you know it starts starts getting a bit ridiculous the longer you stretch it out um, but yeah they they do have they don't have to be simple but I think you know if you've got a nice simple concept you can then pack on the scares without having to explain too much without having to set up too many rules um, it just makes it easier for you. Um, the other thing about when well, this is my personal horror theory is you can't when you when you're making a horror film you're making two films. There's the film that the characters think they're in, which is you know they are they're going on a holiday or they're dealing with a family funeral or they're you know climbing up a mountain or they're having their having their house built in the middle of nowhere, and that's got to be a good enough story to make a full film so that if if you didn't if it didn't become a horror film that would still be a 90 minute film with a beginning middle and end and a satisfying story and then there's the second movie that they don't realize they're in which is the horror side of it and that comes in in the first half hour and kind of knocks their story off the train tracks and takes over so you've got you've got to kind of i mean it's, it's a good way of setting up characters so that they're sort of believable and people you, you kind of understand and will want to survive. Because if you don't want them to survive, then it's not a horror film. You're just watching people being murdered um, and you don't care. You've got to care about the characters, otherwise it's not, it's not scary. Why, why, would, why would it be scary? You're just, you're just kind of cheering and hoping they get killed. Um, yeah, so, it's, so that's probably why a lot of the best ones are simple because they are two stories so they've got to be two sort of simple stories we've mentioned uh, we've mentioned streaming services a few times now uh streaming services tend to i find be quite a sort of logical home for horror and you tend to find a lot of horror on these services um yeah there's a lot of good horror on there a lot of uh, clever independent sort of horror but there's also a lot of really rubbish horror that perhaps no one would have seen in the days of where all horror had to go through the cinema but now yeah. streaming services around, people have access to this stuff. How do people go about sifting the good stuff out? Well, that's the beauty of it. Um, you know, when I was when I was growing up and going to the video shop and you know go go there on a Friday and get the the five 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 pound five day deal, 
where you get uh, five videos and you'd keep them for five days and you just had to sort of go by the cover and 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 you know we I didn't have the internet I didn't didn't have review film review magazines I just had to look at the cover read the blurb on the back see who was in it who made it and just take a chance and you get it home and if it's terrible that's tough luck you can and you can either finish it or you can just just take it out after half an hour um but when you're a horror fan you kind of you end up seeing a lot of terrible stuff because you want to you want to find the good stuff so you do end up seeing a lot of bad films but you're you're trying to find the good stuff and you sometimes you'll stick with a film for longer than you should because there's some good there's some good effects or there's there's some good jumps or something so i think sifting the good from the bad because they're streaming sites you just got to stick them on for half an hour and take your chance and you know if it's an 85 90 minute film you may as well watch the whole thing just in case it gets really good at the end <laughs> i guess the other thing is what we've seen in recent years is a lot of um established horror properties making the jump from from film to tv so we've seen it happen with mm. scream and wolf creek has just moved to a tv series mm. um how do you think firstly do you think it's a good idea for these properties to go in that direction and secondly how does it differ making a, a horror for the big screen and a horror for tv yeah, I mean, it depends on the concept. If it if it does translate, then you know, go for it. Um, if it doesn't, then then you shouldn't. Obviously, I mean, I haven't seen Wolf Creek, but from everything I've heard, they've done it in a very clever way so that it does translate really, really well. You know, you can't you can't just have a story about a slasher chasing after somebody and then make make a, a ten thirteen part series out of it because you know what's going to happen in episodes two to twelve. You know, not a lot. Um, but the way, the way, from what I've heard, the way they kind of have, have changed it up so that it's a slightly different different version of the story, um, that really fits. And um, the last the last one of those I saw was uh, the first series of Ash vs. Evil Dead, which also does, you know, it, it takes the concept and the characters, but it, it mixes it up a little bit so it's, so it's more of a road movie TV series. So that they can have sort of advent, they go somewhere else and have a different adventure that week in that episode. Um, and also, the best thing Ash vs. Evil Dead does is the episodes are half an hour instead of you know the forty-five minutes or the hour, because that kind of that kind of fast, splattery, fun horror stuff it's best in small doses. And I think a forty-five minute or an hour version of that show would be really, really boring. Um, even if they packed it with stuff, you just you just kind of get overloaded, I think, and just half an hour is just enough to kind of get you get you going, and then leave you leave you wanting more. Uh, while we're on the subject of uh, TV, I'd like to bring up uh, Torchwood and Doctor Who briefly. Mm. Um, Sleeper is one of my favourite episodes of Torchwood of all of them. Um, I like the violence and the horror edge of it. Um, <laughs> so I'd, I'd like to perhaps talk a bit about that and whether you'd be interested in sort of going back to Torchwood and Doctor Who again now that you've had a chance to sort of look back on the work you did before. Yeah, I mean, I would obviously if uh, if the if the show if Torchwood carried on, then and they and they you know they had space and they wanted me to come back, I would love to do more in that world because you know I did I did one episode of series two, um, I did one episode of series three, and it's one of those shows that it just every time it comes back in a new series, it's on a different channel and it's bigger. So I would love to see where it goes next because I can't imagine where it goes next. You know, it's 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 got bigger and bigger and bigger. So I'm just 
excited to see where it, if it, if it go if it keeps going i'm excited to see where it goes where it can possibly go um so i'm i'm always up for going back to that if they if they want if they make more um i would love to do more doctor who um because i you know sort of looking back on the one that i did it was it was 8 years ago now and i was a very i was a very different writer and i kind of kind of feel like i didn't know what i was doing for several years and not that i'm saying i know what i'm doing now i i don't <laughs> but you know i've kind of i've made lots of the mistakes um and writing mistakes so i know not to make those again um i just i feel i feel like i i know a bit more about what i'm doing now and i think i would be able to enjoy it more i don't don't necessarily think i quite enjoyed it as much as i could have done at the time while writing it because it's so fast and terrifying and it's like i said at the time it's like um you're just walking along when you're in business and suddenly the runaway train goes past and it grabs you by the by the collar by accident and you're just pulled along for several months with this runaway train and then suddenly it stops well it suddenly lets go and, and you you get back on the road and it carries on carries on without you because it's just this constant non-moving runaway train of a TV series because they're always making it and there's so much to do on it you're a very small part of that of that thing so i think at the time i was so sort of terrified of doing a good job and not not messing it up and freaking out and thinking oh my god i'm doing doctor who this is crazy what the hell? why why did they get why did they want me this is mad um don't mess it up don't mess it up and it was only sort of when it when it was on TV then, and I was able to enjoy it and go, oh yeah, I've done I've done a Doctor Who. This is great. This is amazing. It looks fantastic. Um, but that time, I was just sort of I just remember panic and thinking like there was never enough time, and that I didn't didn't really know what I was writing or what I was doing because yeah, it was it was just it was a it was a strange time because I had I had a lot of other um, things I was doing as well because it was a very very busy year. So I just don't I don't feel like I got a moment a moment to just kind of stop and look around and appreciate this is a this is a massive moment in my life. I need to stop and sort of take it in and appreciate it. Of course uh, the uh, the episode of Doctor Who you did was the one in which uh, Peter Capaldi appeared uh, yeah. before before being cast as the Doctor. What would you if you got a chance to write for Doctor Who again is there anything you'd specifically like to do with his Doctor and his portrayal of the character? Oh, I'd love to write for his Doctor. Um I mean, he's he's incredible. I just, as soon as I heard he was cast, I thought that is gonna, that's gonna change the show in all sorts of ways because th- there's gonna be certain types of story they can't do and certain types of story they can only do with him. Um, it just, I mean, this, this is the great thing about the show. You 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 cast someone. Well, I I don't. Uh, they do. You cast someone for the Doctor, and then you tell stories. And, you know, they bring their own unique portrayal to it. And then you get used to that. And then someone completely different comes along and does it in a completely different way. And then you have to tell stories in a slightly different way. But it's still the same character. It's just, it's a, re- it's a really bizarre sort of thing. So I was, yeah, I mean, I love what he brings to it. And it's, it's just, it's just so layered and, and clever and, and warm and and crazy um so i don't i don't quite know what i would do with him um 
but then he's the doctor so you just you just do what you would always do with the doctor he's he's the same he's the same character i think that was the other thing that kind of freaked me out at the time i was kind of like right i need to i need to write this uh in in david tennant speak i mean there was a story going around that i didn't know how to write the first line and that was you know i exaggerated but it was partly true um because I was just like, right, it's it's Doctor, but it's also the Tenth Doctor, and it's also David Tennant, who I've just met, and it's also this, and it's also that. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how he would speak, and and then and then I, I would write a line and kind of go, no, that's not how he speaks, because I've just made that up. That's how I would say it, um, because the Doctor's a real person, so you know the Doctor wouldn't say that. Um, I think it was just sort of just kind of just telling myself, it's just the Doctor. He's not any particular doctor he's just the doctor um and just kind of try and try and go with that and then you end up throwing throwing things in that that you know the actor can do um and do really well but yeah it's just it's never it's never writing well, it is it is partly writing for the actor but it's you gotta you gotta remember you are writing for the doctor um having said that there are there are no rules like that it's just it's it's literally the hardest show to write um because there are no rules, but at the same time, there's a million unwritten rules, but nobody knows what they are. You just kind of discover it as you go along. It's, a, it's such a weird show. It's, such, it's, it's the best show in the world, but it's so weird, and no one knows why it's difficult, because it, be, it should be really easy, because it's so simple, but it's, it's really, really, really tricky, and it'll, it'll, it'll fight you. Okay, so obviously uh, Mina Murray going out online at the moment. Uh, what's next for you? What kind of other projects do you have in the pipeline? Um, I've got uh, another couple of short films I'd like to direct soon. Um, just trying to sort of figure out which one will be the best one to do. Um, I'm working on a, a TV project, which would, if it if it gets made, then I will be I'll be the lead writer on that. Um, I've got a couple of couple of film projects in the pipeline um, that that are that should be happening at some stage. Um, so the thing about writing stuff and directing stuff, you never know what's going to happen next. Something will always happen, but you never know which one will happen next. So I can plan for one thing, and then something else that that isn't happening is suddenly going to happen, and then that that becomes first in the queue. So yeah, so the, the TV thing and a couple of film things, um, and then hopefully a short in the next few months. Um, right now, I'm sort of finishing the the um the post on uh, on mina for the last few episodes and getting those getting those together and uploaded um and there's lots of uh social media stuff to do with those as well because they're because i i foolishly decided that all the characters would have an online life um i just made tons of tons more work for myself um but it all helps to kind of flesh out the world of the show and it's it is fun it just it just takes up your whole life <laughs> Because you know you spend all your time on on Twitter and Facebook and, and and everything, and then you're having to do it for for three other people. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting way of way of telling a story. Uh, you mentioned there that you you're doing a bit of writing and a bit of directing. Do you have a, mm. a preference between the two, or do you like them both equally? Um, I like them both equally, uh, but it, but in different ways. I mean, because it's all it's all filmmaking, and it's it's all kind of a form of writing anyway. Um, you know, you write the script, and then you get on set, and you're directing it. And then you're kind of reworking it as you go with the actors and the sets. So you're sort of rewriting it and in some cases writing new stuff there and then. And then you get to the edit and you're kind of rewriting what you've, what you've directed again. Um, 
and the music comes in and that's a whole extra layer of, of writing on top of that. So it's all, it's all writing, it's all filmmaking. Um, but it's nice to, I like to be able to see something through from start to finish. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so for people who've been listening to this and who are uh, interested in Mina Murray and interested in following uh, your work, uh, where can people find you online? Where can people find what you're, what you're up to? Uh, they can find me on Twitter uh, at James Moran. They can find my website, uh, which is jamesmoranwriter.com, um, and that's got all the links to, to all, my, all my online stuff. Um, they can find Mina Murray's journal at minasjournal.com, or they can find it on Twitter at minasjournal. Um, or if they go to my Twitter account, then there's, there's links to it everywhere. And then there's, there's links to the, the YouTube channel on, on the, uh, the show, Twitter on the show website. And, and they can catch up on all the episodes. This is going to stay online, so you, they can catch up on the episodes whenever they need to. Um, but I, they, they should hurry because um, it's, uh, it's, it's ramping up. So catch up now. <laughs> you heard it here first. Well, thank you very much for your time, James. Thank you. It's been absolutely great having you on. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Okay, so that was James Moran talking about uh, Mina Murray's journal, about horror cinema, and plenty of geeky stuff about Doctor Who as well, which I really enjoyed talking to him about. Um, Plenty of Halloween content coming up throughout this week on the Popcorn Muncher. Um, There's videos coming up on our YouTube channel, some articles about uh, horror films you should be watching over the Halloween period. Uh, To keep up with all of that, go to thepopcornmuncher.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes at the Popcorn Muncher Podcast. Uh, We're also on Twitter at Popcorn underscore Muncher and at the Popcorn Muncher on Facebook. So please do keep up with everything that we're doing and we'll be bringing you plenty more really fun stuff like this. So have a good Halloween and I'm sure I'll see you soon. Bye. He's eating a foot. It's disgusting.